Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board the WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe's directly opposed to me across from me on the other side of the table and safely enclosed in his uh, tent that uh, keeps any... Uh, we're, we're on the lookout for aerosol droplets. Oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> yes, that's what uh, <laughs> I was listening to the CBS uh, Focus this morning and they say the problem with this is the aerosol droplets stay airborne for a uh, Five minutes or more. Well, I really appreciate you sending people with a portable tent out the back to, to get me and bring me in. Well, so I don't even have to breathe the air in here. I, you know, I'm not an entrepreneur, but if I were a smart person, I would come up with uh, safe and sanitary transportation, like a cab company that uh, where the you know the op- the driver wears a zoot suit and that they could take you or your family members, like if you have an elderly family member and you want them taken to a doctor's appointment or something, but you don't want to do it because you're out in circulation, you know, you're shopping and so on, so you don't want to do it. Safe and sanitary temporary taxi services underway. So what are they doing with things like Uber and Lyft and regular taxi cabs? Well, I think gigs are out of business. Aren't they? They yeah. should be essential if you can't, if they're telling you. Well, it is transportation. Well, maybe yeah. just the number. They talk about gig workers being able to draw down unemployment. I know shipped is still working. My mother uses that, and they're still functioning. Uh, and that they use, that's the, what Wises uses to distribute right. items. Yeah. So, incidentally, I, I have an email from Dennis Curtin at Wise Market. says they're examining the guidelines from the CDC, but at this point, they require their workers to wear a mask, but they don't require shoppers to wear a mask. Uh, one grocery store up in uh, northeastern area, I forget the name of it, they are requiring their customers to wear a mask, too. But uh, we don't have that at Wise's yet, and I, I have an email in to Giant, but I haven't heard back yet. I'm trying to remember. I've shopped both places, depending on where I am and what I need. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. because Same. basically you have to make two stops today because what one store has, the other one won't. Plus Target. <laughs> right, plus Target and Giant and Walmart and... I mean, well, gotta, I wouldn't go to Walmart. They don't want you to. Well, I know you wouldn't, <laughs> but they don't want you to go. You know, spend a lot of time out. But yet, individual stores having trouble keeping the sh- the, sh- the uh, sh- shelves stocked. Right. So shopping's a uh, more of a quest than just a trip these days. Yeah, unfortunately. All right. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is going to be our telephone number or when the lines open. We're going to do a quickie interview now. Uh, you can email us at on the market and text us at seven zero six and on the Mark. Uh, 70236. Right. Thank you. And uh, on the news line with us now, Professor Scott uh, Meinke is back. We talked to him uh, last week, and he's back. He's a political science professor from Bucknell University. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in again. Morning. Good 
morning. Sure, glad to be back. I do appreciate that. Uh, the, the president is certainly in a, between a rock and a hard place uh, determining how to guide states here. He used the word total authority the other day. Of course, he's backed down a little bit on that. But uh, give us some sort of a sense from your perspective that the role that the president uh, can and should and is playing, uh, and I guess I'll have to add to that sort of versus uh, maybe what he would like to do. He would like to do more than maybe the presidency can uh, permit. And as opposed to the governors and what their rights are. Right, yeah. I mean, so, so covering the basics first, and we can talk a little bit about what Trump can do and wants to do. I, the states have, when it comes to the questions about opening and closing the states, about putting limitations on, on travel, the stay-at-home orders, that sort of thing, um, those choices are are squarely within the power of states in the U.S. federal system. The states um, have, uh, and the governors and the state legislatures, um, hold what we refer to as police power, which basically encompasses a lot of authority to ensure the health and safety of citizens. Um, and the federal government, as powerful as it has become over our history, um, doesn't hold that, that kind of basic broad power to, uh, to issue orders for, uh, for local public safety. Um, and you know, so, so Trump doesn't hold that authority, even though he holds a lot of authority that's relevant here and, and therefore responsibility. Um, so the governors really do have most of the control over those, those questions about opening and closing and, and local regulations about staying at home. Um, we want to think about the federal government as being in kind of a coordinating and, and supporting role in a, in a situation like this, where it has command of more resources and more flexible resources than the states have, um, and the ability to help coordinate and plan across states um, to provide backing. Um, and, you know, the fact that the president uh, wants to coordinate a national plan and, and make strong suggestions to the states about what they should do and when um, seems to be consistent with that, right? Um, but then when, when you get into the, the total control, uh, the total authority claim uh, that he made earlier this week, that, that seems to be not consistent with, with really what I think liberal or conservative constitutional scholars think about the power of the president, right? Uh, the president's power is limited within the federal government by Congress and the courts, and it's, and it's limited in that the federal government only has a share of the power in a system where the states have some. Um, I was also going to add sort of, you know, as I, I think, Mark, you said something about what the, what, what the president wants to do uh, versus what he can do. And I do think we see him being sort of frustrated, and that's not, that's not uncommon among presidents. Uh, there's a, a famous quote that's attributed to um, Harry Truman when he, was, um, when he was getting ready to leave office and he was thinking about Eisenhower taking office, and he said, uh, poor Ike, he'll sit here in the Oval Office and he'll say, do this, do that, and nothing will happen. It won't be like the Army, and he'll find it very frustrating. Um, and, that's, and that seems to be sometimes a description of, of, uh, of the, way, you know, the way Trump uh, responds to things. I think he, he, sees, it, he sees a problem, he wants to be in front of it, um, and then he finds that the powers of the presidency are, are in some ways limited, but that's not necessarily just unique to him. Well, maybe that's a holdover from his business career, where if he employed somebody, you could direct them to do something, and, you know, for the most part, you would think they would uh, probably do that. Uh, governors, that's right. uh, governors are taking a lot of uh, actions these days, ordering us to, to stay at home, and, uh, and, and that's an enforceable law, and ordering employers to provide masks for their workers, and ordering us to wear a mask if we go uh, out and about. Uh, I guess that's still a recommendation that we wear a mask outdoors. Well, there's still the Constitution that guarantees the right of peaceable assembly. 
<laughs> okay, right. <laughs> so j- your view on this, uh, we're being, uh, I mean, we're being led around by lemmings by this tough governor. Um, so so to pick up on what I was saying earlier about the, the police power of the states, um, when there's a, a serious threat to public health um, and one that requires some, some collective action within the state to respond, um, governors have, have a lot of authority just in, in, the, in the way that, that states are, are organized in our system um, and in authority that's given you know, in different ways in each state by statute um, to, to make these kind of emergen- take these kind of emergency actions. Um, so just on sort of a, you know, a legitimacy level, can a governor make these kinds of orders um, as far as their authority goes to, to stay at home, to close businesses, uh, to require certain kinds of public health measures if there were to be a, you know, an order that people wear masks, that kind of thing? Um, yes, right? Now, in, that runs up against um, civil liberties, right? Anytime the government is, is making a broad claim, um, about uh, about its authority that runs into the freedoms that individuals have the, the right to assembly you mentioned um, and uh, and other and other rights uh, economic freedoms um, then the courts have questions about the balance of the how important that government action is um, versus the individual right and whether the government action is tailored in such a way that it that it impinges on individual rights as little as possible um, given that given that um, important purpose um, we saw the Pennsylvania courts um, I think it was earlier this week or was it late last week um, ruling on Governor Wolf's uh, business orders and coming down on the side of and, and doing that balance and coming down on the side of well this is a very very important um, purpose and, and authority that the governor has um, the civil liberties are important but right now the balance is okay um, not all the justices agreed with that um, in making that decision, but that's the way that the courts are thinking about it. Um, so, yeah, the civil liberties are important, and you can imagine a governor going too far. There were um, discussions, I think, in some in, in some local governments um, about uh, taking actions that seem to impinge maybe too far on freedom of religion, for instance. Um, and uh, you can imagine those kinds of actions um, being successfully challenged in the courts. Do you think that Governor Wolf should look back at Ben Franklin when he said those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither freedom nor safety? Well, I think I think we've got we, we've got questions sometimes whether it's a you know a crisis of natu- national security uh, or whether it's a crisis of public health. We have sometimes when you know we we need leaders to take actions that might limit individual liberties temporarily and then only to the extent that is necessary. Um, you know, in order to preserve you know our long-term future, um, that balance is hard to strike. But look at look at the disparities around the states. You know, it's not one size fits all. And I realize every governor has to look at the imperatives for their own state. But Michigan now they're they're demonstrating in the streets over the governor there cracking down on things that we haven't even cracked down on. And then you have our governor closing the liquor stores while they're open in states surrounding us. I mean, the, the disparities between what's permitted in one state and another, even though they may reflect the needs of that state are very confusing to us who are, you know, forced to live within them. Well, that, I mean, that's true. And, and on, a, on a, the most general level, you know, I'd tell my intro American politics students that this is the way federalism works. It's the reason why you can't pump your own gas in New Jersey, but you can drive across the border and pump your own gas, right? We have differences across states, and that's the system that we've set up. So it's not too surprising to see that there's some variations here. But I guess maybe the positive part of that is that, that 
states sort of learn from each other, right? So if states if states are looking at Michigan and seeing that the governor is what ordering that garden centers, you know, are no longer essential and people are outraged about that, well then maybe other states learn that that there are some things that went too far. Whereas I think there are some states that have looked at at states like Ohio where Governor DeWine has taken really aggressive actions, um, but he's also communicated that really effectively, I think, and the state has uh, for the most part uh, has accepted that to this point and maybe they see a model for how this works. So uh, federalism leads to a lot of variation, but sometimes it also leads to kind of innovation and learning across state borders, and we might be seeing some of that. I'm going to have to confess yesterday, I I don't know how to word this any other than to just say it right out loud. Uh, I had a hissy fit when I saw the president uh, made his signature appear on the checks that are going to be going out in the near future for the uh, CARES Act and the $1,200 that individuals will get. So there I admit it. It was a hissy fit, and I apologize. uh, um, You should apologize to me. I had to live through it. I know. (laughs) Poor Van Van (laughs) called in. but. this is a hissy fit on the air. Yes. Right. Yes, 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 yes. yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, uh, what's your reaction? I mean, you have a, a much more learned view on the uh, machinations that go on in Washington, D.C. and in the presidency, uh, that the signature of a president for the first time in, in the history of the world is going to be on a, a check from the U.S.? So if I were advising the president politically, I would tell him that it was that it's tone deaf um, and that it's not really getting him much benefit because people who are inclined to give him credit for the stimulus checks are probably already going to see it that way. And I don't think there are a lot of persuadable people who are going to look at his signature on that check and say, oh, well. You know, now, now, I, now I associate this really with Trump. I think he doesn't get a lot of benefit from it, um, and instead he gets some negative news stories that make it look like you know he's, he's sort of being petty about this. So, so I would say just if I were a political advisor, I'd tell him it probably wasn't worth it. Um, but I would say it's not entirely unprecedented to have politicians and presidents trying to claim credit for these kinds of things. Um, I was remembering when this came up that back in 2001, uh, George W. Bush and the Congress passed a, a stimulus bill that sent out checks, and there was a big controversy that summer over letters that they decided to send to people before the checks arrived that said, President Bush and Congress have passed tax relief, and you're about to get a big check from the government. <laughs> and Democrats uh, tried to strip funding for uh, some funding for the IRS for sending those letters. They almost succeeded in doing it because they were so outraged. Um, and then somebody reminded me yesterday that Richard Nixon, back in the 1970s, sent a letter to all Social Security recipients saying, Richard Nixon has increased your cost of living for uh, your Social Security benefits, and you're about to get a, a big raise in your Social Security. And uh, So presidents have done this before. It just seems like a pretty tone-deaf time to do it. There I agree with you completely. But let's take a look at what's going on with Congress. The very popular Paycheck Protection Program is about to run out of money. The Republicans want to add another, what, $250 billion to it to keep it going. But the Democrats want to tack on a bunch of other things unrelated to it. Why can't, uh, I mean, is there any hope that you see in Congress that they will address the issues as they come up instead of trying to come up with the cobble together these huge solutions uh, that fund a lot of things that aren't really essential right now? I mean, public pressure may lead them to decide that they need to, to top things off without going for a big package. Um, but you know, the idea that they're going to that they're going to try to get that they're that they're going to get their priorities, uh, the things that they think are are necessary in the crisis, along with um, you know the return to the to the paycheck protection uh, funding, is they're going to try to do it right. Um, and uh, and and that's. 
that's sort of their prerogative and their opportunity when the train is leaving the station to try to get their priorities to go out with it. But public pressure might sometimes leads them to back down and decide, all right, we're going to just do it. When you uh, sent your email in confirming you were appearing here today, you brought up a rather intriguing constitutional issue with respect to the president using some obscure provision in the Constitution to adjourn the Congress so that he can make interim appointments. Would you go into that a little bit more detail? Yeah, I'll try to avoid giving you a 90-minute lecture on it because I think it's pretty interesting. <laughs> well, I'll but, fill out the program. Uh, so, so there's always some, some nominations for the executive branch in the courts that are still hanging out there, and there's some of them right now that, that are not getting through. And President Trump sees that as being partly because the Senate's not acting quickly enough. Um, and so he has suggested um, that in order to get that to happen, he wants to make rece- recess appointments, which allow him to make constitutionally temporary appointments to the courts and to the executive branch. Um, um, uh, when, this, when the Senate and the House are not in, uh, are adjourned. And he has decided to, to threaten that he's going to adjourn Congress um, so that he can make those recess appointments. That would be an unprecedented move. There is a power in the Constitution that, that says that the president can adjourn Congress until a time of his choosing when uh, the two chambers can't agree on when to adjourn. Um, Nobody's ever used that, and it's not clear that the, that, the, that, that the necessary circumstances are here for that to happen. Um, and it's also not clear that, um, that, he's, that he's in a situation where he could use a recess appointment um, even, if, even if he wanted to, given the court's decisions on this in the past. So this kind of, for me, uh, overall, it sort of fell into the category of what I was saying earlier with Truman's quote about Ike, where he sort of was reaching for reaching for a hammer that he could use to get past something that was frustrating, um, but I'm not sure that he, that he really has the constitutional authority to do it that would hold up in the courts. Uh, it certainly was fascinating to everybody who studies this stuff, and Twitter was lit up last night with uh, geeky people like me arguing about uh, exactly <laughs> what the powers were here and how far they could go. I saw that. That was interesting. <laughs> so, so many eggheads on one page. Hard to believe. Yes. Um, the impact on the presidential election, do these kinds of crises help presidents? Do you think this type of a crisis will help this president? These, these kinds of crises can help presidents when they're seen to be responding effectively, uh, when things seem to be going in the right direction, even if they're not necessarily all the way better yet, right? Those things can help a president. Um, but on the other hand, presidents take a lot of the blame, and when things aren't going well, even if it's not entirely their fault, um, they, can take, uh, they can take most of the blame. Um, the, the state of the economy, no matter how well the president and governors do and Congress between now and November, the state of the economy in November is, is not going to be good. Um, and we know that the state of the economy traditionally um, is a very strong predictor of what happens to incumbent presidents. So if you were just going to go on past information and, and what the economy is going to look like um, this summer and this fall, you'd think that, that there's a real problem uh, for Trump, even if things have improved with, um, with the, the pandemic. Um, on the other hand, we're in a polarized era where people are more strongly in their in their corners than they have been in the past, and that might help shield Trump a little bit from some of the impact um, of the economy and the pandemic. Scott, let's go back to what we were talking about a moment ago and the president's, uh, whether or not he has the constitutional authority to actually use that provision. Uh, do you think he, maybe he intends it as a threat to try to spur Congress to take action, or do you think he's, someone is seriously advising him that this is something he might want to try? I think I think he's 
I, it's not the first time that somebody has, has suggested this mechanism, so yes, I think he, he didn't make that up out of whole cloth. Somebody suggested that to him, and, and yes to the other uh, suggestion he made, which that he probably intends it first and foremost as a threat. What's kind of interesting here is that it's a threat uh, against a, a Senate that's controlled by his own party, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Mitch McConnell is in, is in charge of the Senate, um, and Mitch McConnell could do things to move things along faster um, you know, if if that were McConnell's priority. Um, so this is a case where kind of behind the scenes we see that the president has some disagreement with his own party um, that he's that he's trying to force his way through um, with that threat. Uh, last question that I have relates to the polarization of our nation. It seemed like maybe in mid-March or so into early April, uh, we really didn't hear too much about the fact that we were so clearly divided. We could go a whole talk show here and, and only talk about what was happening and not whose fault it was. We're, I think we're drifting back <laughs> into our corners here. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. I, we haven't... We haven't polarized completely over this yet, uh, but we're, I think we're headed back in that direction, so I think that's right. Um, and that's, you know, there's parallel for that in our modern era. Uh, if we look to September, the September 11th attacks as an example uh, where there was a strong rallying around uh, the government, and all parts of the government uh, saw you know, a surge in trust and support, um, and, and Republicans and Democrats alike supported, uh, supported the actions the government was taking. That faded, and it didn't take that long for it to fade um, as people began to disagree about the course of action and the consequences of those actions. And so that's sort of what we're seeing here. Um, and some of it is happening quickly because, because actors on the two sides are, are starting to tell different stories. Um, you know, Democrats are, are still mostly selling a pretty aggressive story about, uh, about taking, taking action to, to limit uh, the spread, uh, to flatten the curve. And Republicans have become more divided in what they're in what they're talking about. You have Republican governors who are still arguing for more aggressive action, but lots of Republican thought leaders and the president himself sometimes who are starting to talk about, well, this is the costs are too high. Uh, we need to get the economy moving. And so, as that happens among sort of leaders who are talking about these things, it's not surprising to see public opinion begin to, to shift in a more divided direction as well. So, unless uh, leaders begin to sort of talk uh, in a unified way about this, and I'm not sure that that's going to happen, or that it even happens, to happen, we're going we're gonna to see division in public opinion, too. It seems to me like the governors are trying to have it both ways. On one hand, they're saying, and the Democrats are saying, well, the president didn't declare a national uh, stay-at-home order. He didn't shut everything down. And then they're saying he doesn't have the right to tell him to open it up. So if they wanted him to close it down, how can they deny he has the authority to open it up? Well... So I, you know, I don't think that I don't think the governors have been so much pointing to the president as having not shut the country down as, as they are pointing to the president. Those who have been critical of the president uh, for having not done the, uh, the things that they thought that he should do uh, earlier, right? As far as uh, as far as ramping up testing and providing more resources and and sending clearer signals, um, but. Yeah, there is a potential here for you know for for conflicting uh, con- conflicting claims that allow credit claiming and blame shifting at the same time, and we see that you know it goes, it's going the other way, and that you have the president also you know claiming that that governors are on the front lines and should be uh, should be responsible for most of the decisions, but then also claiming total authority at other times as well. Um, this is the kind of thing we sometimes see in. I, I, 
I'm going to hit this note again, in, in federalism, right? And we saw some of this, to take another example, after Hurricane Katrina, when uh, federal governments and states sort of pointed fingers at each other um, as far as who was responsible and who got the blame. You think Thomas Jefferson is spinning in his grave? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't speak for Thomas Jefferson. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll dodge that one. <laughs> he did. So. All right, well, thank you so much. Uh, we'll keep talking to you every two weeks for fabulous analysis, so we really do appreciate it. Thanks thank so you. much. I enjoyed it. I'd be happy to talk again. Thank take you. take right, care, thank Scott. You. Professor Scott Meineke. Yeah, we talked to him on the first of the month and on April Fool's Day, so we'll talk to him again on May Day. Well, the man is no fool, so that was just right. a coincidence that he happened to be here on April 1st. Right. Dr. Scott Meineke, professor and chairman of the Department of Political Science at Bucknell. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. All right, welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. We just have a moment before the top of the hour, but we want to let you know that uh, On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Uh, you can check them out at sunburymotors.com. I think our, we had our uh, bumper music kind of stuck there. We'll hear that yes. again, I'm sure of that. Uh, we'll open up the toll-free line. You want to tell us about Sunbury Motors? I thought that's where you were going. Uh, no, just they are a good sponsor. I'll, I'll have a, a more elaborative remark at the bottom of the hours when they're scheduled to come up again. But it's never too soon to talk about Sunbury Motors. Well, they are the Sunbury <laughs> Motor family-owned dealership since 1915. What do they Ford, Hyundai, Kia, Lincoln, plus thousands of perfect pre-owned vehicles that literally are in perfect condition, and they would just love to do business with you. Uh, they are still operating the quick lane on North 4th Street in Sunbury. That's when you can get yourself pumped up with nitrogen, get some body work done, get yourself aligned, uh, or you can get yourself washed, and that's at the Sunbury Motor. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe is directly across from me opinion-wise and in terms of uh, our physical location. He gets the tent with the oxygen pumped in and the air vent and the ceiling. So uh, he's got his own, he's literally enjoying rarefied air. He's always been a sort of a class apart, but now he's definitely got his own set-apart zone. So we appreciate you coming in. Good morning, yeah, sir. But I'm 
dependent upon you to keep the oxygen Turn the flowing. You've right got the, the tank controls. is over here, but I, it is on. Don't worry. Uh, I only accidentally didn't turn it on. Well, actually, I did turn it on, but it has two a check Fortunately, valve. Fortunately, Rob saw me turning blue before. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On the mark, sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Our toll-free line is now wide open. Call us now, 1-800-795-9565. Lots to talk about. The president's interested in doing, uh, I'm going to call it a bit of an end-around, but I think it's perfectly legal, but that'll be determined by the courts, I guess, uh, to get some of his uh, judicial appointments going. Uh, and uh, we also have the governor saying that you must wear a mask in workplaces now. So, for example, starting Monday, Joe and I would have to wear a mask until we get to the microphone, and then we could pull the mask down because that would obviously uh, muffle the sound and not be ideal, so we'll be doing that. Uh, some of us already are up here. Uh, I just hang out in my office all day when I'm not on the air, so I, I don't wear a mask in the building. But our toll-free line is open to talk about that, 1-800-795-9565. We, of course, had Professor Meinke on in the first part of the show, and uh, maybe he has an observation on which you'd like to elaborate. Uh, yesterday, about mid-show, we switched to only forward-thinking, optimistic, positive remarks. But that, that didn't work out well, so we're going back to whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> oh, did we switch? I, I we know, did. You I tried. You did your best. You encouraged it, but it didn't go anywhere. Okay. Well, today, <laughs> uh, positive, forward-thinking, optimistic, hopeful messages that will help us as beep. a nation. Okay. Not going to work. <laughs> not going to work. Joe just beat me. He beep. can't even allow me to say it. All right. On the market, WKOK.com. The email, text us at 70236. Uh, news headlines here briefly. A reminder, today is not a tax day in Pennsylvania and a relief for the Wolf administration says Department of Revenue is extending the tax filing deadline from Harrisburg to July 15th. That coincides with the uh, July 15th uh, national deadline. A Northumberland County coroner says it was a Shemokin woman who was the victim of a homicide this week. County coroner James Kelly says it was 45-year-old Dawn Latshaw died from strangulation. The death considered a homicide and charged with murder. 38-year-old Andre Stone. A few inmates at Snyder County Prison have gotten early release due to the pandemic. Yesterday, you heard on this show Mike Pietzu, Snyder County DA, says they're trying to draw down some of the inmates if possible. There's been a concerted effort to review high risk in terms of health, but low risk to community safety and to either parole them or to modify bail. A few inmates, uh, he says the population is down about 15 to 20 percent. Piazza says district justice are also mindful when setting bail that they don't wish to overcrowd the prison, but of course public safety is a through line through the entire process. In addition, uh, the DA says he's very concerned about the potential for domestic violence increasing in the county. There hasn't been any significant evidence of that, but he's concerned about that. New rules mean everybody has to wear a mask at work. In case you didn't hear, Dr. Rachel Levine signed the order. The governor and announced it yesterday. Employers must provide masks for employees during work hours and make it mandatory to wear a mask while at the work site, stagger start and stop work times, and provide sufficient space for employees to have breaks and meals. Businesses must also conduct meetings and trainings virtually, no more than 10 people in one particular area, and of course even then observing social distancing. That means Tonto and the Lone Ranger are going to appear very similar. 
Well, he's going to have to... St- <laughs> <laughs> right, that's true. Both will be wearing masks. Oh, yeah, good point. Uh, Northumberland County has eight more COVID-19 cases, but the rest of the Valley saw only one new case, fortunately. In its daily update on Wednesday, the Department of Health confirmed eight more cases in Northumberland County, bringing the total to 56. All other counties just saw one more. Snyder County uh, saw one more. Geisinger's executives have announced they're taking pay cuts that will u- and they use that money to help employees during the pandemic and release the Geisinger president and CEO Dr. J. Wan Ru says he and his executive leadership team editorial comment, who are already obscenely overpaid in the first place, unquote. Uh, that's Lawrence's view. Now back to the real story. Dr. Roos says he's taking a 30% reduction and a leadership team taking a 20%. They'll still earn millions, but slightly less. Well, we got one year. call waiting, two coming in, and you're talking about whether or not they should cut their salaries. Right. 500 bottles of hand sanitizer recently donated to Sealand's Grove Area First Responders by uh, the Detmer Fragrance Company, which has a factory in Sealands Grove. So we sort of took stock of our assets, figured out that we could probably pull together all the things we needed to make hand sanitizer. And then the natural starting point for us was to get those first batches out to the people who are trying to protect us every day. Mark Krames, the CEO of that New York-based company. You can see pictures of the handoff at WDKOK.com. Governor Wolf's office says he does plan to veto legislation sent to him Wednesday by the Republican-controlled legislature that would force him to allow some businesses to remain open. In a statement, Wolf's office said, irresponsibly going against the direction of the Secretary of Health and reopening businesses too early will only extend the length of the economic hardships created by the pandemic, unquote. The Senate approved the legislation on a party-line vote after two hours of floor debate yesterday. Uh, Governor Wolf's Health Secretary, Dr. Rachel Levine, wrote to Senators Wednesday to warn of the bill's devastating impact on the administration's ability to fight the virus. And let's see, what else can we say? Uh, let's see, new task force. Uh, yeah, one, one other item here. A new task force is being created amid the pandemic in Harrisburg. Governor Tom Wolf and Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman announced the goal of the task force is to find out why COVID-19 is disproportionately affecting minority populations in the state. They'll try to address and attack that particular issue. Those are the news headlines. Everything I read on the radio is posted at WDKOK.com. If you miss any important news, feel free to call our tip line, 1-800-795-9565. One of our our texters, remember I said I wanted to read this text first? You did say me I did, yeah. Now I forgot some. Right, well, maybe you need some oxygen over there. Send some over for you. Uh, One of our emailers or texters says exactly what I said to you off mic. I really appreciate your guest. He comes across as very even-handed in his explanation of today's events. You would be hard-pressed to say if he is a liberal or conservative, that's the way it should be today. And I've said to Mark both times we've had Scott Meineke on, or Mikey on, Meineke. that we cannot tell, I can't tell whether he's a liberal <laughs> or conservative. I mean, he just tells it like it is. And it's killing you, isn't it? No. <laughs> I thought maybe I could get him when I asked him if he thought Thomas Jefferson was spinning in his grave, but even there he didn't give me an indication. He knew right where to, he saw that trap a mile away. <laughs> All right, Eric, thank you for waiting through the headlines. You are now on the mark. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, speaking of masks, there was an armed robbery in a bank in Philadelphia yesterday, and the only person arrested was the one coming out of the bank without a mask on. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, gentlemen, uh, stimulus checks. Uh, I was blessed to get one direct deposit yesterday, 
and I was very interested to see what the line on my online account said. And it interestingly, it was the exact same uh, wording as when I got my uh, tax refund check. So essentially, at least the banks are considering this as a tax refund. So since I did pay more in taxes than the $2,400 my wife and I received back, it was a true tax refund. Um, just wanted to say what's happening, uh, at least on the online accounts. Uh, there was not a secondary little line that said uh, this was from President Trump, however, but uh, it was listed as a tax refund. Um, suggestions for, for my fellow uh, Central Pennsylvania residents. When you get your stimulus, whether that's online or by check, uh, some considerations. First of all, obviously, if you need to pay your, pay your media bills. Um, the information I'm receiving by watching some uh, financial shows is talks about the, the walls of your, of your home and the walls of your uh, life. Uh, the important things, uh, food, shelter, transportation, I think in the fourth one would be health. So those are the priorities to pay. Uh, my suggestion is if you are, if you have, as been suggested, uh, you have your nest egg, uh, you have a few, two months of uh, savings, and you get the stimulus check, let's use it wisely. Let's use it to help out our local economies. We all received uh, March 1st our notice for local taxes. Um, so why not take that check and pay your local taxes? By doing so, prior to May 1st, you save 2%. There's a 2% early payment. So you can immediately save 2% by putting money back in your pocket. Uh, again, pay your bills as you need to. Uh, and then the uh, uh, last idea, which my wife and I have chosen to do, is to take uh, a 10% of that, or a tithe, if you will, and give that, if you're a person of faith, tithe your church or tithe your synagogue. Uh, if you don't choose to do that, however, there are many organizations out there which are seeking donations, such as the United Way of the Red Cross. Take 10% of that $240 or $120 and support some of our local charities who obviously are in great need right now. And I'll finish up by saying that down here in Port Treverton today, our church, Hope United Methodist Church, is having a free community meal, drive-by pickup uh, from 5 to 7, of complete ham Easter dinner. So if folks down in the Port Trevorton area need, uh, need some food for supper, uh, stop on by and we'll feed you tonight. All right. Well, but thank Mark you. and I were going to drive down. I guess since we don't live in Port Trevorton, we don't count. No, I'm saying it, it, you, you can drive down. <laughs> no, no. What? No, come on, Joe. I'm, all, I'm only kidding you. I, no, I think okay, it's great God that you're. You. I okay. think it's great you're doing it. God bless you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Thanks, Eric. Gentlemen, appreciate thank it. You Take so care, much, Eric. Uh, let's see. One of our listeners sends. Joe a note. Says, Mayor, what will happen if we don't wear a mask when I enter a store? I don't know. Did the, did they, uh, are there penalties? Did the, in the news release imply any penalties for failure to do so? I don't think customers of stores have to wear masks yet. Yeah, I think that's the whole point here. Everybody's supposed to wear them. That's the first line of I know the employees the are. Many Pennsylvania commercial buildings that serve the public will now be required oh, okay, to make I'm sure sorry. customers wear masks and deny entry to anyone who refuses. So, no, I guess you won't be arrested. You just right. won't be allowed in the store. They won't, they'll turn you 
your way. Yeah. Well, and there was somebody at the Giant the other day directing you to go in the proper door because they had already established the cattle chutes where you only go in one direction and out another door and up and down one particular aisle or another. Right. Well, I think a lot of places are doing that these days. Um, Walmart's doing that. And I don't know whether Wise is. I, when I was last Not time I was at Wise Store, no, a Seelands Grove wasn't doing it. But there was actually somebody, a giant, clicking uh, one of those number clickers. When oh. you went in the door, he clicked you in, and then <laughs> like the guy on the other side was clicking you out. So I guess if they subtract the out number from the in number, they can figure how many people are in the store. Mike, last caller before a quick break. You are on the mark. Hey, some interesting things here. I guess the governor says, like you're talking about, that you have to have a mask to go in the stores and stuff. And uh, my wife uh, makes masks, and the calls that she was getting to, to make them kind of was dying off. And then all of a sudden yesterday this edict came down and, and her, her phone or her cell phone is getting messages, make masks, but to find the materials to make them is getting uh, very difficult. So that, that's interesting to me. And, and what's also interesting to me is the dichotomy we have in, in Harrisburg. Now, I don't know if you uh, mentioned that uh, John Gordner was spearheading an effort to kind of start getting some of our businesses back in, in, in business. And he, and the rationale for that was that uh, Governor Wolf was exceeding the CDC guidelines for the shutdown. And the, and the Democrats uh, are saying, no, we, we want it this way. And Gordon said, well, it's opposed to the CDC. So there's a, a difference there. And then I also heard it. Now, I did not see this in any publication, but I heard it, that the uh, head of the Democrat Party said, now, this would be a great time to push through the Marcellus uh, uh, gas tax, and we could get that money there. So I don't know if you guys have heard that at all, have you? Well, I didn't hear that, but I did hear about Senator Gordner's effort, and he makes an interesting point that the Democrats and the governor are exceeding the CDC guidelines on one hand, and on the other hand, they're saying, well, you should follow the, follow the science, follow the experts. Well, do you follow them or don't you follow them? It, exactly. That, that's, you know, people, it's a mixed message, and I think that one of the worst things we could have right now is mixed messages, and I think you're a politician guy there from Bucknell who I have to say my son is in college as a political science major and uh, I hope that uh, his department has some people that sound like him he sounds like a great guy and uh, you know I think it'd be uh, wonderful to have my kid exposed to him so maybe he can pick up a summer course over there and then the last thing I wanted to say was you've had these political science guys on there but as far as the economy goes now it's my understanding that in some states you know, you, you've heard that the people that are unemployed are going to get $600 on top of their uh, unemployment. Some states, the unemployment now has been raised to to equal your uh, previous earnings. So you, you not only you're going to get uh, your previous earnings, but 600 And also some states are saying that if you believe that your employer is not providing the safety that you need and expect, that's grounds for quitting. And, you know, evidently when you quit a job, you're not entitled, entitled for unemployment. But these states are saying, in this particular situation, you can quit if you think your job is unsafe oh. and still get unemployment. <laughs> yeah, you are allowed to quit a job if for, for good reason. And, of course, I would think your health would be, preserving your health would be a good reason. 
<laughs> I don't I don't think this workplace is safe. Uh, Rob, get him out of here. He's coughing. <laughs> I need I need I need to be unemployed. <laughs> Sorry, Mark, Mark. I don't know if Pennsylvania has adopted that. Oh, you can okay. quit your job and still get unemployment. So you better be careful. All right. Yeah. Everything's satisfactory here. Actually, uh, the boss here does what we ask him to, which is a wonderful way to turn the tables during this whole thing. So we appreciate that. Thank you so much, yeah, Mike. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for calling in. You're We're going to take a quick break. Phone lines are all lit up, so no point in giving out the number. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. And we got one line open. we got everybody else occupied. We always take the calls in the order in which they arose. So, Bobby, you are on the mark. Go right ahead. Yes, um, um, good morning, everyone. First of all, I'd like to thank everyone at Sunbury Broadcasting for hanging in there and offering uh, the airtime and everything else to help everybody. Uh, one thing I was going to point out, you know, again, like I tried to do yesterday, we live in a commonwealth and not a state, so when when settling matters and people have died, so there's, you know, there's going to be certain rules uh, you know, to you know, apply to that, and just to kind of uh, people should be on guard that something did happen, not to get scammed or anything else, and to research things. Well, you know, and I know Bob, from settling, Bob, yeah, if you, if I, know, you research, I know from settling estates for thirty years, uh, there's always steps that you can take to, uh, uh, I'm going to say, keep your home or keep this or keep that, you know, for those involved. Bob, if you want to do some research, you might have looked up Merriam-Webster and the difference between a commonwealth and a state. Here's what she says. There are four states in the United States that call themselves commonwealths, Kentucky, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, and Virginia. The distinction is in name alone. The commonwealths are just like any other state in their politics and laws, and there is no difference in their relationship to the nation as a whole. Okay, as far as okay, as far as the nation's one thing, but as far as settling things, um, there's locally, no difference in the laws and the politics. There's they, no difference at all whatsoever in the laws within the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania versus other states. No, they are they are the Nothing. same in their might relationship. We well call ourselves the chicken of. We could have called ourselves the state of Pennsylvania, and every other state could call themselves a Commonwealth. There's Come no on distinction. now, there's a difference. No, you just haven't. <laughs> But anyway, when you're settling legal matters, when it comes to like transferring, you know, transferring assets before 
you know, before people pass away or something like that. It pay, it's time and effort to uh, check into things that can be done to uh, mm-hmm. transfer a property or transfer an asset or transfer something to put something in somebody else's name mm-hmm. or names, you know, to keep things going. Yep, sound advice. All right, thank you so much, Bobby. You and I know there's a difference between a commonwealth and a state. Well, there is no we'll, difference. We'll bring uh, Joe up to, <laughs> uh, to date on civics later. Jeez, he doesn't even remember important lessons from his childhood. Who? You. Uh, there is no difference between a state and a commonwealth. Dale, what's your view on this? First of all, I want to thank our local corporations and our small businesses that are helping out and getting, you know, helping out our communities. But uh, <clears throat> I think we have a domestic problem in this country more than anything. Then I look at who's causing this domestic problem. While we're talking corporations that have so much money that they can play around with our politics. What I'm talking is the domestic chief office of United States Intelligence and the FCC. Because if you look at it, in the late 80s, early 90s, these big corporations used our domestic intelligence and FCC to stop rap music. So... The only way we can stop this domestic division and, you know, divide and conquer, which will be surrender all your liberties, that's what Fox and CNN are, are operating under because they both, they both take the same corporation's money. So I think we need to hold them too responsible, domestic uh, intel office and the FCC because, you know... Uh, we're responsible for what, Dale? I, I mean, I'm sorry, but you're not making a lot of sense to me. What, what are we holding them responsible for? Domestic division, which, well, call, is call, which, which is causing our seniors and all, you know, total fear. And, and, you know, it's scaring the crap out of everybody, like the, the news that CNN and Fox puts in there. So what they're going to do is once you're scared, you're going to surrender your liberties. You're not going to, you know, give up your liberties. You're just going to surrender them. Well, what, what do you think? How are they doing that? I mean, they're reporting the news. Now, granted, I, I'll give you that they okay, slanted. Okay, Fox and CNN is news. Well, you're telling me they're actual news. I'm out. telling I'm telling you that there are elements of their programming that are news and elements that are commentary. Element, element keyword, element. Okay, I ain't got nothing against you, Joe, because I can no. sit there and talk to you. And argue but, but what I'm saying, though, Dale, is that, that the, the names, way. Dale, things like the number of people who died are pretty well, you know, they're not made up. I mean, you look between all the news networks, and they've got the same numbers. Oh, so, Trump, so Trump just announced yesterday that he thinks that... Uh, New York City is bloviating their numbers. So you're telling me, okay, that came out of your president's mouth. So you, you're telling me what the baloney there? I mean, I mean, I would go out on a limb and say sometimes you don't tell the truth, but what would you say? Well, what I'm saying is, it, it you know, there is some, I, I guess there's some question about whether or not the numbers are accurate at any specific moment, but I don't think people are deliberately lying about the numbers, and if you get upset okay, by well, that, well, please, well, let me finish, well, well, let me finish, if you, you get, let me finish, if you get upset by those numbers, if it worries you to hear that so many people are sick or so many people have died, then that's only natural. I mean, some people are going to react very strongly to those kind of numbers, while other people are going to take a more philosophical approach. But that doesn't mean that anybody is specifically lying about the number of people or the severity of the disease. All right, you got a brief closing argument, Dale. Go ahead. Going once, going twice. Okay. He, he don't like to wait while he's up. Oh, Dale, there you go. Oh, no. got the other guy. Oh, dear. Hold on. There we go. Go ahead, Dale. Now you're on. Go yeah, ahead. You're I'm back. Sorry. Go ahead. 
in the late 80s and early 90s, you had a choice to listen to rap music. But today, our seniors can't even go to bingo or do their common things because our li- we're surrendering our liberties because of Fox and CNN and our domestic division of, of intelligence, basically. I mean, I, I go right after the crux of the problem. And you guys beat around the bush, so let's hold them responsible. <laughs> because they're corporate money. All right, we're living uh, in a world of cheese. Yeah, we're back in that world of cheese again. All right, All right. thank Thanks, you so Dale. much, Dale. Really appreciate the call. Please be there, uh, uh, Dale. Whoever you were. Uh, no, it's Stan. Stan, yes, Stan. You still there? <laughs> yeah, I'm oh, here. That's a miracle. <laughs> I didn't lose him. <laughs> no, you didn't hit the wrong button. Oh, uh, I did. I, did. I was listening to the news there at the top of the hour, 9 o'clock, and they're shocked, just shocked, of the unemployment numbers. Yeah, every, every time, every week when that comes out, it amazes me, the language they use. They're shocked. <laughs> they're amazed. It's incredible. It's, oh. Well, yeah, I, it's, it's all a bad thing. Stan, but what does anybody expect? Uh, Stan, when they, Wall Street was, yeah, when Wall Street was plummeting last week, they said it was a bloodbath. <laughs> I thought, oh, jeez. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand. I know why they do it. Sensationalizing things, you know, supposedly get some ratings. It just makes me mad because I, I understand what's going on. You know, you can't close every freaking business down and expect not the employ- the unemployment numbers to go up. It's just common sense. One equals the other. You know, a guy with second grade education could figure that out. Mm-hmm. But they're shocked. Shocked. It's incredible. The other thing. The other thing, okay, the wearing the mask. I'm, I'm not sure how they can just do that without legislative action to force everybody to do something. But it is what it is right now. Well, I guess it'll get they'll, they'll, somebody will fight it. But anyways, you know they're saying they're doing because of science of what you know says they're going to try try and prevent the spread of it. Well, what's been going on for the past month? But anyways, but they you know they're saying science. But the, you know the, the health secretary I think has a problem with science. Well, you're right, and and I think the far left has a the far left has a problem here as well, because on one hand they want to blame the president for the large unemployment numbers, yet on the other hand they're saying he's not strong enough in closing things down when he wants to open them up again. So I mean, they got to be spinning in circles right now. I was talking more the science of gender with the health secretary. Oh, okay. Science science says there is only two, and you can only be one or the other, but. Anyways, we won't go any further than that because you know what I'm, where I'm headed with that. Yep. But uh, the other thing, number of dead that is being reported. Yeah, the number's bad. And, you know, 20, what is it, 20-some thousand, 25,000 now in the country? 26,000 or something. Yeah. You know, and they're reporting it. You know, we've got the highest number of all the other countries that have that. But they don't do it in relationship to the, no, the, the amount of population in the country. I've seen two graphs yesterday with the exact same numbers okay and the way it was reported compared to the population i don't know how they put it per capita or however they the percentage mm-hmm. we're we're down at the bottom of that list but as far as total cases and deaths we're at the top of the list it's all on how it's presented Right, yeah, 26,000 people infected in Pennsylvania or tested positive with the, for the COVID virus. Oh, uh, and this is going to sound like a weird statement, but only 647 deaths, which puts us at the lower end well, of the deaths, <laughs> I, fortunately. I agree, but I'm not, I wasn't talking just Pennsylvania. I was talking the nation in general. 30,000, well, 31,000 deaths in the okay, U.S. Yeah, but, you know, compared to, say, Italy and all that, per capita... 
per, I don't know, is that per 100,000 people or whatever, the deaths per 100,000 people? We're at point zero one something. Point zero one percent, right. Yeah, 1% of right. 1%. Yeah, but we're doing the, fabulously. You know, these in other that. countries are at point two, point three because of the populations. We have a lot more people, so more than likely we're probably going to have more people die from it if they catch it. And our numbers are higher because we have a higher population. You didn't happen to see to, other than China. You didn't happen to see Morning Joe this morning, did you? I mean, he, I, he was no, so. I, I yelled at TV when I watched. He that was so far off the I rails. He's saying the, raise my blood the Republicans are just saying goodbye to the World War II veterans, the Korean War veterans and the Vietnam War veterans, they're just going to let them die, you know, and good riddance because old people die. You know, I mean, he is. A sick man. He is. I they, mean, you know, they, are they should be ashamed to put that kind of stuff on the air. There isn't anybody who wants to see a senior citizen die. Matter of fact, Fox News had two stories on this morning celebrating a woman who was 103 years old recovering from coronavirus right. and another guy who's 95 recovering, you know. So they're not out there and, saying, let them drop dead. <laughs> and, and those are the same people. That are that are screaming that Trump shouldn't be promoting or suggesting that the use of that was a, I can't ever remember hydroxy. Oh, hydroxychloroquine. Chloroquine, yeah. Chloroquine, yeah. You know, they're the same people that are saying that he shouldn't be promoting that to help people. Yep. Same people. Well, they believe he's got yep. a financial interest in it. Though. Right. Well, well yeah, it, I, I heard that, and they and and that's been checked on, and somebody said with his. With uh, investments that he has in blind trust, and it's a mutual fund, he might have $90 worth of stock in the company that has it. Yep, you know, stands he's going right. to get loaded with that. Stands right on that one. The yeah, Washington Post thought they had a gotcha. Now, they still printed the article, but it said that his... I'd like them to check Nancy his, Pelosi's holdings. His holdings. Uh, among other things. His investments yeah, would mean that uh, about 1% of his total holdings would be in pharmaceuticals in general, since all his stuff is real estate. And then of that, of course, you'd, it, it would be buried within there, within that 1%, what would be the fraction that would be this one particular drug, which, uh, according to the pharmaceutical company, there's no indication that it's profitable for them to produce it anyway. You know, that they're not selling it for... a generic drug. Right. They're not permitted to, so... Well, what about ZPAC? They're recommending taking the uh, that drug along with the ZPAC, so does he own ZPAC well, stock, a, too? <laughs> that's, that's generally only in the hospital. A lot of them, that's under doctor's care in the hospital, a lot right. of that, with the ZPAC because of the combination. From my understanding. All right. Thank you I, so much. I, you know, so. Yep. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Have a good day. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Great, great call, Dan. Thank you. Uh, top text and top so, email. I just read an interesting tidbit. There is no difference between a state and a commonwealth. The reason for the title, so smug teachers can trip up hapless students in civics class. <laughs> yeah, like, like and then, uh, Joe, anyway. how many states are in the United States? Fifty. Right. All right. Thank you. 1-800-795-9565. We've gone to having all phones lit up to all phones open. So call us now. one 800 795 565 is our telephone number. You can talk about uh, the governor's uh, stay-at-home order or the governor's you must wear a mask at all times and all places, no matter what, no matter where you go or what you're doing, unless you're at home. But if you're out and about in the community or you're out and about at a business or you're out and about in a state park, mask. But not in a bank. Up. <laughs> not yet. Well... <laughs> You can't go in at the moment. So yeah, don't go in the bank with a mask and a hoodie on. I wonder on. if they're going to get upset if I drive up we, to the drive-in window of the bank with a mask on. Uh, I wore a, a mask <laughs> when I went to the drive-thru the other way. Why yeah, would they okay. care? <laughs> she knows I'm not going to rob them. Okay. 
We'll take a quickie break. Light them up, folks. 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mertz family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. one 800 is our telephone number. Uh, top email and top texts, right. Joe, if you would. The Bill of Rights right now is being rewritten to fit the situation over a virus that didn't even reach a pandemic number. And one of our texters says, yes, in Pennsylvania, you can quit your job for health reasons and still collect unemployment. Oh, okay, but I'd have to prove. <laughs> of course, I don't think it would work around here. Every good suggestion we've had about well, making... Well, I'm sure your employer would, you know, file an <laughs> objection to it, and there would be a hearing when they'd have to determine whether or not your health was specifically right. negatively impacted by your working conditions. Right, it would, would never work here. <laughs> they take good care of us, so... All right, one 800 open phone. Uh, young Dan from New Berlin, PA, is back on the line. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. Hi, Dan. Hey, good morning, guys. You know, you talk, the professor was on there and did a great job, but I didn't see any of the division change during this whole epidemic. The hate Trump media still was against Trump, no matter how he handled it. And I have to say, overall, he did a good job. And But yet, every time he did something, they were against it. And even on the, your program, On the Mark, the anti-Trump people, hate Trump crowd, still, are, Trump can't do anything right. Yet... He come through this epidemic, he, to me, he looks better than ever for what he was given to work with. He come through it with flying colors, and he looks great in spite of the ruined economy that the left wanted anyway to get Trump out of office. This is part of the program to get Trump out. This is their last effort. They figure if they can ruin the economy, keep businesses closed, hey, we'll finally get rid of Trump. And that's how I see it. It's the anti-Trump crowd in their last effort. Maybe if we ruin the economy, we can get rid of Trump. Because you even here in Pennsylvania, that they wanted to vote. The legislator tried to vote to open up the economy. The Democrats all voted no. 
We've got to keep shut down. We can't open anything up. Republican crowd all voted. We've got to get some things moving. And, and even the governor here don't want to open anything up. He wants to put more regulations on in spite of the virus dropping for a couple days or a week maybe. It keeps dropping off. Less cases, less cases, even with the more testing. So it's still like it was the free enterprise, the people that love the free enterprise system are on one side, the heavy-handed people that want socialism are still on their side. So I don't see anything really changing. I don't know. Well, how yeah, we're still yeah we're still feel. polarized. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'm still having a hissy fit that the president does uh, campaign videos during his briefings or puts his name on the checks. So he hey. had it. What he did, I saw that he just presented a little bit uh, his side of it because the fake news media won't put anything out positive that Trump has done. You hear it on this program. I, li- I listen every day, even if I don't get a chance to call in. I've heard them same people. They can't give Trump not one little squirmy millimeter <laughs> that he's done anything right. right. And you know and I know that he's done a lot right. Well, we watch you don't this. have to agree with everything, but we, I agree. I gave him a B-plus on how he handled this coronavirus problem we had. I give him a B-plus. I'd give him a full A. Dan, do you realize they, that CNN pulled away from that video when they realized what it was? <laughs> yep. They, I noticed that. Yep, they can't stand. <laughs> they cannot stomach. When you say something positive about Trump, they can't stand you. They actually, I have relatives that we can't talk about the coronavirus because we're going to get in a heated discussion. So I keep my big mouth shut. <laughs> Which is awful hard to do. Well, we're glad you called in on this program to do it, but Dan, we got to roll on because we've yeah, got three other Jay calls hanging. I'm talking with you, and I enjoy your show every day. All I right. don't miss it. Thanks a lot, so, and we appreciate that, Dan. Thank you Captain, so much. I love you guys, and keep up the good work. Well, right, we'll try that. I appreciate that. Uh, Cindy, you are so lucky. 30 seconds more, and we'd have to do the break first, but guess what? You're oh, getting in right I before the break. Today. Yay! <laughs> Good for you. Oh, wait. Hold on. It's time okay, to stay on schedule. Go ahead, Mark. <laughs> um, I just wanted to let Joe know that I, I fully intended to conduct his scientific experiment last week. Do you remember I called in, and my concern was that you could only buy one box of wine at the grocery store? Right. You had, right. Remember that? And I Joe, do. you said, well, what happens if you go out and come back in? So I thought, you know, I'm going to test that <laughs> hypothesis. I'm going to ask that question. So I went to the store fully intending to do it, and we ran into a problem, Joe. What? There was none left. <laughs> okay. None well, I didn't count zero, on that. <laughs> a big gaping hole. And when I went to the other grocery store, because, of course, there are two in the region that I could uh, patronize, 
son of a gun, they only had one left, so I bought it, Joe, but what can I say? We couldn't do our experiment because there wasn't anything to conduct our experiment on. Well, you'll just have to keep going back until they have more of one thing. (laughs) Pretty much on Fridays I go, although last week it was Thursday, because I thought it would be a bad idea to be in a grocery store on Friday. Yeah, I would would probably tend to agree with you, but I mean, I'm just curious as to what they would do, because... I've been in other stores. I was at a Target the other day for something, and I went back past the section where they have the stuff, and they still had the sign-up, one item. And I was tempted. I didn't need it, but I was tempted to buy it and then walk out and go back <laughs> in and get another law. one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was interesting learning why there's some of these, um, why there are some of these uh, holes in products. For example, when I went last week, there was only whole milk. There was no 2%, no 1%. Hmm. And and this is, of course, in sharp contrast to stories on television where the farmers are pouring their milk out on the fields. But the problem is that they have chosen a specific line of production. So some of them were, were, for example, running their dairy farm and selling it to some conglomerate that produces milk for schools. So since the schools are closed, no one's pivoting to put that stuff on the shelf in the grocery store. They're just throwing up their hands. Same thing with plowing under the, the uh, lettuce Produce, fields. Yeah. I saw that right. story. Why were they doing that? Well, they were doing it because they sell in a bulk way to restaurants. They're not interested in selling units to a grocery store. There so, was an interesting story this morning on Gordon Deal about the big surplus of chicken wings at the moment because things have been canceled that normally sell a lot of chicken wings. And they said the reason they haven't come back in the, the retail market is that they're packed in like 30-pound bags for sale to restaurants, uh-huh. and there's no way they'd have to completely repackage them and go through different nutritional regulations to sell them uh, privately in the stores. Uh-huh. So it's all about adapting and who's willing to adapt to live within the circumstances we are in right now and who refuses to. So my new puzzle is why are there no fresh peanuts and why is there no peanut butter? I was oh dear. blown away. That's not right. There was no peanut butter. Well, I think on the people are hoarding. You know, stocking up. You know, give it's, my it's wife a call. She has several jars. <laughs> <laughs> As I was. <laughs> it's not that I want peanut butter. I want fresh peanuts, which have been absent for about a month now. And I went online to see. Well, we have know, another call, so wrap up the story. Killed or whatever, no explanation. Thank you, guys. Yeah, you make thank your own, you so you much. Make your own peanut butter, Cindy. All right, well, <laughs> I'll find we'll out have later. To answer tomorrow. One eight hundred seven nine. Oh, uh, scratch the phone number. All the lines are lit up and busy. We'll be right back. There's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the market. Let's get right to the phones. Uh, Bob from Shemokin, PA. Thank you so much for calling in. You're on the mark. Uh, good morning, gentlemen. Um, I sort of agree with Dan with some of the things that he was saying that I think there's a 
definite political element involved in uh, trying to take advantage of this with our governor. My uh, first blaring thing that I keep seeing is when you go on the Pennsylvania Health site or the CDC site, you can see um, a live timeline of deaths, cases uh, of people that were infected. And usually in just about every state you see number of people who are now cured or recovered, except Pennsylvania. <laughs> Pennsylvania yeah, they don't refuses do that. To report, they refuse to report the number of people so that it looks much worse. It looks like there's 20-some thousand people currently infected with the disease, when in reality is there has to be by now thousands of people who have recovered. How do you know that's their motivation? Uh, well, I mean... I'm, I'm speculating. It, it's just that you would wonder why else would you not be reporting? Right. Why? Why? News, why wouldn't the you? Hopeful news. <laughs> I don't know. They can't report anything. They don't can do... recover, and people are recovering every day from it. You're making my point because I said the other day uh, they show these worldwide totals and United States totals of uh, total infections, but they don't show how many people have it now, and that's what's important. Well, they should show that 99.9% right. of the population of doesn't have it. it. Like if you go on to the John Hopkins site, they have a, a live feed where you can see recovered and you can break it down by state and, and even in counties. And, that, and um, a perfect example is in New York where they've been hit far worse so it's not a numbers thing because they've been hit far worse you can see right now in new york state how many people have recovered from the virus all right thank you so much Bob. You know. i appreciate it thank you so much yeah we got reduced time okay. now because of the uh, top of the hour other calls coming up thank, thank you. you very very much chris or no eric i'm sorry you get 60 seconds go right ahead uh, just a quick historical reference on this state versus commonwealth. It happened during the uh, Revolutionary War, where the uh, independents of Pennsylvania, Virginia, Massachusetts uh, declared themselves independent uh, commonwealths from the King of England. That was, of course, before we had the United States. As for um, Kentucky, uh, when it then became independent, that was originally part of Virginia, it became independent. It decided to keep the Commonwealth moniker as well. So there's and, your historical reference why those four are called Commonwealth. And Texas was once a republic, so. <laughs> wow. True, but they're not a Commonwealth. No, All right, but they were so a republic. <laughs> hey, thanks, thanks a lot. Take care. Yeah, appreciate the callback. Uh, Chris, last caller, uh, you get a minute. A minute. Sorry, buddy. I wish Dan would stop lying about me. <laughs> What did he Getting say? Getting rid of Trump is made harder if the economy is real good, but that doesn't mean I want it to be bad. He's just making stuff up. Well, it's his and, opinion. And there is no anti-Trump media. Oh, come on. What? <laughs> come on. <laughs> what is there? What would you call it? I think well, you're, you, you've moved into that world of cheese. The New York Times and the Washington Post in there. Oh, okay. Well, the New York Times has been. Well, if they super aren't anti-Trump, there. Then I'm. I'm certainly confused. Well, the Times is very objective during coronavirus, but the Washington Post is out to get him. Well, sure, because he's been out to get them. <laughs> Look who owns the Washington <laughs> yeah, Post. Who started it? Anyway, moving on. Go ahead, Chris. I wrap think up. Who started it is pretty clear. He right, the Washington Post. On reporters during his campaign before he even got elected, making them the objects of scorn to the crowd. 
All right. Now you got and 20 I seconds. And I was going to try to think up uh, some impossible question for you since we lost Paul, and I don't know if you ever mentioned it. Not yes, we I'm did. Anyway. We yeah, mentioned we, we lost Paul. We're sorry okay. about that. I'm glad you did. We hope he got all the answers to his questions. Time, <laughs> Take care, Chris. Thank you so much for calling in. We'll have uh, attorney Cliff Readers calling in tomorrow. Oh, so I'm sorry. I'm going to miss that. Talk about the... Uh, well, you can listen like the rest of I us. I will. <laughs> this is WKOK Sunbury.